0: and welcome back
1: everybody to another edition here of the auburn undercover podcast on the 24 7 sports network my name is nathan king got a basketball edition of the show today talk not only about auburn tigers are of course off to a three and one start now we're you know only one fourth of the way through uh through the uh the sec schedule so far, even even less than that. But, uh, you know, we're still still starting to see how things are playing out across the conference. And uh, to help us break that down, bring in uh, SEC basketball experts, someone who had on this show a couple of times. Um, and it's always been really well received by you guys. Blake Lovell from Southeastern 14 dot com, where they do all kinds of coverage of the SEC, not only basketball, but football and other sports as well. Blake, hope you're doing well and uh, hope you've enjoyed the, the basketball season so far.
0: Yes, Nathan. Always enjoy you having me on. I mean, it's um, as we say, there's always in an SEC basketball season. There's some ups, there's some downs, and um, you know, certainly we've seen that play out so far with certain teams. Uh, won't won't mention Kentucky, but uh, yeah, we probably will mention Kentucky. Um, I think
1: we will. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I think it's it, yeah, it's it's been you know an interesting start here. You obviously, as always, you have some surprise teams and some teams that disappoint. No different this season, and um, yeah, Auburn continues to find their way in the good group, you know, for now. And um, that's that's always a positive. So I want to just take a quick snapshot of the standings
1: through four games, of course, like I mentioned at the beginning, a long way to go. And we've seen in seasons past that, you know, the first few games are in no way a complete indictment of what we've got going on. And I I personally look at a team like a like an Arkansas um, right now, which is one in three in the league, but their schedule has been really difficult. Maybe we can get us off to the side here. There we go. So we're not covering everything <laughs> up. Um, I guess just I, I keep coming back to, of course, you know, there, there are three undefeated teams in the conference, actually, Texas A&M. Um, but again, their schedule has been a little bit lighter. But as we look at who's at the top right now, like you mentioned, Auburn is in that quote good group, um, you know, one of only four teams right now with with three wins in conference play. But at least right now, as, as we currently stand, seems like. Alabama and Tennessee are the are the alpha dogs at the moment
0: yeah I, I think it's Alabama Tennessee and everybody else I mean in all honesty I just I think it's very clear at this point that those two teams at their best are on a different level than everyone else and you know again you can certainly point to some good things Auburn's done That times Missouri's done some good things and you know, again, Arkansas. I feel like this is Arkansas's thing. Like this is what they do. Like you know, two years ago they started two and four in the SEC, got to the Elite Eight last year. They started zero and three in the SEC, got to the Elite Eight. Um, you know, I just feel like this is this is Mus's plan for some reason. But no, I mean, in all seriousness, I think it's it's Alabama, Tennessee, and everybody else. I mean, that that really is. I mean, A M, We we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. We we're like, look, don't be surprised if A M's five and zero in the SEC. Because their schedule supports a five and zero start, based on how it plays out, I think they got South Carolina next, and they got Florida again, who they've already beaten. So, very likely that I mean, hey, what if Alabama and Tennessee slip up and lose a game in the next one or two? A could be sitting atop the SEC. Like it's really not out of the realm of possibility. But you know, I, I think we were kind of laughing about this this morning. A and M could be sitting in the exact same situation they sat in last year, <laughs> where they could go eleven and seven in the SEC or something. And guess what? They don't have the wins outside of the SEC to support an NCAA tournament you know, bid. And I think it's going to be interesting to see which of these teams can an A&M kind of stay up there. You know, Georgia's 2-1. and one. Georgia's doing what you have to do to be successful in the SEC, right? I said this on Twitter last night. You have to win your home games. And so far, you know, they've beaten Auburn. they beat Mississippi State. And, you know, so I, I think it's going to be, you know, I – I know a lot of people are kind of using the word like it's the SEC down. The SEC's down probably in terms of its strength at the top. Like, you know, you don't have – because I think Arkansas slipping is hurting that a little bit. Kentucky slipping is hurting that a little bit. You know, Mississippi State got off to a great start. They're slipping. Um, so, like, you don't have those top-level five or six teams. You're like, those are surefire top 25 teams. I think right now it's what? It's Alabama, Tennessee, and Auburn. And that's probably it. Um, you know, Arkansas, like I said, they're slipping backwards a bit. Missouri, yeah, kind of the same thing. So that's kind of where the SEC is. And I think when we get to tournament time, you know, it's going to be, I think six will get in, honestly, Nathan. But, I mean, that's that's probably the, the most I can see right now. And that may even be putting it in a generous stance because I just, you know, again, there's not been enough consistency for some of these teams right now. Speaking of consistency,
1: it, we'll talk about this Auburn team, of course. It evaded them for the better part of the, the entire season. I mean, even you look in non-conference play, um, you know they, they had a, that West Coast road trip. I thought it was really important for them to split the games there. They were in such a tough part where they had played so inconsistent. They, they lost pretty much on a home court against Memphis. I mean, come on, there were 90% Auburn fans in Atlanta. Um, you know, You split those games, not the end of the world but still offensive consistency was was really not great for them random home games the usfs of the world georgia state teams like that they just really struggle they trailed a halftime against both those teams and then things kind of came to a head in athens and um as it does for auburn fans and any college sports fans the sky was falling of course this team wasn't (laughs) going to make the tournament um you know as as it always tends to go but there, there were real problems yeah i will give you know I will give a little bit of weight to some of those issues and some of those concerns people have. There, there were real problems with this team, and I think uh, you know it's still not a perfect team by any means. But um, to bounce back, get your best win of the season over Arkansas at home over a top fifteen Arkansas team, then you go on the road and beat Ole Miss, which Kermit Davis and that that's kind of been a house of horrors for Bruce in yeah. his uh, in his Auburn career. What do you make of Auburn so far this season? I think that they've done a nice job of sort of getting back to like you said, they're they're normally near the top of the SEC under Bruce done a good job here of establishing a, a baseline of of wins and like you mentioned with Texas a and schedule you look at what Auburn has coming up they can also get off to a nice start because it's a yeah. while before they start playing the Tennessees and the Alabamas of the world
0: yeah that's what we were doing our, our looking at the schedules for the season we're like look Auburn may actually have the best schedule um overall really when you think about it uh you know when you actually look beyond just those games yeah they've got to go to Tennessee they got to go to Kentucky got to go to Bama but I mean obviously the Kentucky game doesn't look as intimidating anymore um and then they they do get you know quite a stretch here where they should really rack up some wins I mean you'd be surprised if they don't but I think this has been one of those teams that you know I think when we set our preseason expectations we're like look this is a top 25 team going into the season but I think you also have to put it in the context of okay you compare this year's top 25 team to last year's top 25 team or the top 25 team from several years ago. I think you always felt like this was not a team that was necessarily going to be on that same level. Um, and there were going to be more questions. And I think more, especially more inconsistency on the offensive side of things. And I think that was something that we probably expected going into the season. And I think we saw that play out in non-conference play. I mean, you know, the Northwestern game I know is, is not the the normal scenario right in every game this season, but like, to me, and I've pointed this out, I'm not saying Auburn needs to win every game 43 42, but that I think is how they're going to have to win some of these games. Not every game will be that way, but I think they're going to have a lot of games like that Florida game where they probably need to win games with their defense. And sometimes the offense just may not be there. Now, the good news is the last two games, the offense has been there. And I don't know, you know, Nathan, I think one of the, the common things for me. And I'm not saying it will play out this way in every single game, but if they shoot less threes, I think they're a better team because I don't think, you know, and statistics just tell you that, right? They're what, shooting like 29% from three, I think. Um, Well, I think they shot, what did they shoot? 14 against Ole Miss. That's a good number. Like, I think if they go higher than 15, I think then you're getting in that territory of, I just don't know if those are valuable shots. And so I think if that continues to get better, you know, if they keep that number, even if it's under, you know, 20 or something, Um, it's not 30. And I think that's where you're giving up possessions. And if they, I think they're figuring that out, you know, getting to the free throw line, taking more efficient shots, understanding that they have their limitations on the perimeter. And the other common denominator is Alan Flanagan. Um, You know, I think you look at these past two games and you're seeing someone that I'm not saying, you know, he's back to what he was two years ago or, Anything like that, but like I, I think we've all said from the start over the past couple of years, Auburn is better when he is, you know, helping them in the scoring department and you know scored 15 against Ole Miss. I think it was what 18 against Arkansas. Um, you had 11 just, before that. I say Georgia. Had 11 against Georgia and probably less minutes. I think it was. So, like, I think that's a big part of this team is they just need. You know they need guys like Alan Flanagan that can give them consistent production in the in the double digit range, right? And I think that's important because you know I think what Broom's done, what Green's done, um, those are still your guys that I think have the highest scoring ceiling of of, of the others. but I think Flanagan, as we, we've seen before, can get there at his best and I think that those are that's where with the Sovereign team, yes, there have been some frustrating points like you said, especially after the Georgia game, But I honestly just think this is one of those teams going to have some of those games just because the offense is not to the level that it has been. And as good as the defense is, you're still going to run into those some of those games in SEC play where you're just not making shots and you have to almost be flawless on the defensive side of the floor and you're not always going to be. So that's a lot of stuff I know I just brought up, but I think if you tie all of them together, it kind of shows that I think they're actually heading in, in a really good direction. Um, it's just, again, keeping that consistency and trying to find that, especially when you, when you hit the road in SEC play. And and I thought it was a nice step forward, even against an and four Ole Miss team, putting up 82 points and getting more solid production outside of some of your, your main couple guys. Um, I, I thought that was a nice step. So, yeah, you mentioned a little bit ago, you know,
1: winning your home games, maybe grabbing a few on the road. Uh, I think Auburn is now getting to the point where they're sort of transitioning into the team, like you said. that were we expected to see um, in the preseason, but those two things do still hold very true. Um, Naval ne- Arena now is the second longest home. Auburn now has the second longest home winning yeah. streak in the country because Kentucky lost. Now they're never going to catch Gonzaga because I think Gonzaga is at seventy-five <laughs> and Auburn's <Yeah>. at twenty-seven <laughs> or something like that. So, um, but still, I mean, it, it's it's been impressive. For them and you know, like like we talked about before, you gotta bring Tennessee and Alabama there this season. And so, you know, we as we've been looking at this team this year, just us here on the on the beat, we've been talking about look, if this team wins most of their games at home, you know, maybe you drop to Tennessee or Alabama. Like I mean, if you win both those games at home, that'd be, right. be that'd be fantastic. Yeah. But you know, maybe you assume that you drop one of those um and you win half your road games. You're yeah. like, you're a five seed. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's like all you're you really probably number did. three
0: in the sec at that point. Like you really, I mean, you're probably third in the sec behind Alabama and Tennessee. I mean, that's where right. the league is too. So that, yeah, you know, I mean, that would be a fine spot to be in.
1: Yeah. And I can see this team doing that with some of the issues they still have, they're still not considered. They, they still are just some of their parts type team because I, they, they don't have the high level um talent that you had last year where you're like, well, Jabari Smith will just take this game over or, well, they can't stop this pick and roll with Walker Kessler. You know, you need more guys to contribute on a nightly basis. So when a guy like Wendell Green is off, when a guy like Jalen Williams is off, it's a little more noticeable um, this year. I want to touch really quickly before we move on from Auburn um, on Wendell Green. This is something I, I just want to get your perspective on, because I think Auburn fans think it is just unique sometimes to their team that when their, their point guard, I to say their star point guard, because I don't think he's a, he's a superstar, but he is a veteran, you know, veteran floor general who's capable of being really good when, when their point guard has an off night the team really struggles. And I think that uh, on off on offense, and I think they think, well, you know, it's impossible to win without, without Wendell playing. Well, I would just like to, I think, get your perspective and and maybe bring people down down to earth a little bit that, that 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 is the case for 95% of teams and not only in the sec, but, but college basketball, if you've got a veteran, a junior senior running the point and he's not playing well, you're probably not going to play great on offense.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, and I know it's different, right. But like, when a lot of people recently, the, the hot topic's been Kentucky and, and their offensive struggles. Well, I mean, one of the main reasons Kentucky has offensive struggles is like, sometimes you just don't feel like that. They get consistency at that position. And, you know, that's where everything starts. You know, it's like, in that example, it's like Oscar Sheboy can't bring the ball up the floor. Um, He can't get the offense initiated. So, I mean, I guess he can, he actually did that the other night, but um, yes, yeah, like that's just the case. And, and I think especially, and you and I have talked over the years about this, like, in the kind of system that Bruce wants to run. I mean, there's no more important position than just the point guard. And again, you can say that about it. Like you said, 95% of, you know, teams around the country, but specifically how they want to play. I mean, that's it. Like, like as your, your team go, like as your point guard goes, you go like, like that's just kind of the way it works. And so um, it does put a lot of pressure on those guys. And, and, you know, specifically a Wendell Green who does have the ball in his hand as much as he does. And so it, it puts a lot more pressure on you. And look, you're not – I think just the nature of the SEC, and this is something we can tie into the previous discussion, but it's like the good thing for Auburn is if you're talking about a guy that has an off night, let's say on the offensive side of the floor at the point guard position, the thing is, is like this is a league that is still pretty much built on defense. Like if we look around – And we try to find elite offensive teams. I see maybe two and that's Alabama of course is, is on that list. Actually I will say three and it's, it's crazy that I'm going to throw this team back in the mix, but I think they're getting, I mean, I think Tennessee's getting there. Like I think they're starting to, I'm not saying they're going to be perfect, but they'll still have those stretches that that we're used to, unfortunately for Tennessee fans. Uh, I think, you know, if you ask them, they're probably saying, yeah, we go stretches, you know, here, there, and that's cost us tournament games, but I think you put them in there. And then I think Missouri at their best are in that category beyond that it's a league that's built on, you know, hard nosed defensive play getting to the free throw line, which I know we don't love sometimes. Um, a lot of fouls, a lot of free throws, but so like in a sense, like Auburn's defense is good enough, even on nights where a window green struggles offensively, which leads to them struggling offensively. Usually you're still going to play a lot of teams that are kind of in the same boat. And I think that's kind of what helps matchup wise too, is when you really dig into the league, I mean, you know, obviously you don't want him to have a bad game, but like you can still probably be okay um, because I don't know that there's a lot of other teams high powered offensively, you know to to kind of counter some of those things. And so I think just by virtue of it being a defensive league, a, your point guards gonna struggle against good defensive teams sometimes, and B, it can still be okay because, you know, uh, you're playing teams that that can't exactly put up some points sometimes. I mean, which, look, Mississippi State's a great example of that, right? I mean, here's a team that gets off to a great start. They get to the top 15, and then we realize, boy, they just can't score. They're a great defensive team, but they can't score. And so I think it's just that the, the strangeness of the league can help in those instances. And like you said, it's anywhere you look, take all 14 teams in the SEC, If your point guard, the guy who makes everything go, struggles a little bit, that's going to affect every other guy on the floor. Especially teams that, you know, may rely on a a broom who who has to be able to do some things and you know is not going to be someone that that is put in a position to have to bring the ball up the floor. You have to have that you know guy who initiates and facilitates things, and that's what Green does. And and yes, so it's not. I wouldn't completely freak out over that. I mean, he's he's not going to be perfect every game, and especially again as you play better defenses in the SEC, which there are a lot of those. So,
1: yeah, and then on this, you know, couple games, for Auburn getting back on track. I think he has 41 points over his over yeah. his last two games. He's only missed one free throw, so uh, so he's, he's certainly on the right track as they look to come home Saturday against Mississippi State. Um, we we mentioned this team really quick, and it's a team that um, Auburn fans like to dog as often as possible but kentucky is struggling this season um what are kind of some things you can put your finger on at the moment for for why that has been the case obviously they they have talent like they like they usually do but i believe one and three in the league now um and i mean people the kentucky fans are calling for calipari's head it's it's kind of crazy at this point you had the guy kicked out of the game the other day for bringing the sign that said (laughs) Please, please, <laughs> please go. go. Just go to Texas. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they um. lose to you know, ratings wise, you know, Ken Palm all that stuff. They lose to the worst team in the SEC on their home floor in South Carolina. Um, you know, sheboy obviously player of the year coming back. Just, just what have you seen from this team so far that has led to these issues?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's what I said. It, it's one thing to lose to South Carolina, the worst team in the SEC, and believe it or not, if you just look at Ken Palm numbers. South Carolina was and may still be on track to be like one of the worst SEC teams statistically up the past decade. Yeah. Like it wasn't Um, even close. It was them. And then was it Vanderbilt was next up? I I think, well, it's it's crazy because yeah, like Vanderbilt's like the next team and it's like, it's just not even. Yeah. They're like top 120 or something like that. Like South Carolina's in the two hundreds. And so, but, but it's another thing to lose that game at Rupp coming off of a blowout loss at Alabama. Um, you know, I think it was, was at the largest margin of of victory for Alabama in that series history, maybe. Um, so I mean, boy, it, there's so many things you could point to, but I think there are two things that really do stand out. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people mention, you know, the numbers that Kentucky is statistically an efficient offensive team. Well, I can tell you right now, (laughs) having watched probably almost every game Kentucky's played this season, especially the big games, they are not an efficient offensive team in any way, shape or form. And I think they continue to be held behind by playing offense like the way they played offense a decade ago when they just out-talented everybody else. Now, as you know, the game has changed. Like, it has evolved in an offensive standpoint, but it's also evolved from Cal's not getting every single top player anymore. You know, there are guys that are going somewhere else they're going to Auburn. They're going to Arkansas. They're going to Alabama. Um, you know, they're going places outside the SEC. He's not just getting all of the top guys where you just go out and say, we're just going to out talent them. You know, we're going to run the whatever, dribble um, drive. We're just going to hand it off. Four guys are going to stand around and hope for the best. I, I still feel like they do a lot of that. And, you know, we talk about ball screening and that kind of stuff. And that's fine. But like, there's just not enough. I just, I still don't think they figured out the right rotation. And I mean, what, they're 16 games into the season now. And, and I just don't think they have figured it out offensively. Now you can combine that with this. Kentucky is not a good defensive team, which is surprising to say, isn't it? Think about all these teams over the years, even if they've not been great on offense, we've usually said, boy, Kentucky's got the size, they've got the length. Um, they're still pretty aggressive. They'll probably force some turnovers. They'll block some shots. This team is not good defensively at all, and and that's bad. When you have this, is why this is happening is against the good teams. Which, believe it or not, you know pretty much all their games against the good teams have come away from home. Like some of those games, they've not even been close. And that's the reason. It's like they can't score when it you know if they find themselves in a, a situation where they're having to come back or something, you they're not consistent enough to make a run offensively. They couldn't make a run against South Carolina. Um, and like you said, it's the worst team in the sec. And so, but they're not playing good enough defense either. And if you combine those together, like that's the game and, and that's why they are where they are right now. And, you know, quite frankly, I just think this is a team that they, they don't have that. And I know this is, we'll, we'll use it. We'll use Auburn in this comparison. Okay. Cause I usually use Alabama, but come on, I'm on an Auburn podcast here. So we need to use Auburn as the, let, let's take that team of Bruce's from, let's take the final 14, for example like that team came out and i thought one of the most defining things for that team was they were aggressive they attacked you they you knew every single game they're going to come out you knew what the game plan was but you couldn't stop them and they just came out and did their thing and they made you react to how they played kentucky is the exact opposite like yes you have to be able to react to what the other team's doing but that's all i see from them from a game plan standpoint and how they carry themselves as a team They're just they just react, and I don't know what Kentucky's game plan is on a night and night out basis. You know, it's just like I feel like they just come out and they they adjust to whatever their opponent's doing. Shouldn't you like play to your strengths? Shouldn't you figure out what your strengths are? Like that's their problem. Like I couldn't I couldn't tell you what their strength is right now because I don't see anything if I'm scouting them that just stands out and says, "Wow, they are going to destroy us in that area." You know, whereas like for a team like Auburn, right? Boy, how are we gonna, you know, how are we gonna score against this team? How they play defense? Um, we got to limit the offensive rebounds. They're so good there. Kentucky is too, but like, there's nothing that's wowing you. And I think that they've just got so many issues like that. Do I think this is it for Cal? I mean, if it doesn't get better, yes. Like I, I think it's kind of reached a breaking point. And I, I said the other night, quite honestly, you know, a home loss to South Carolina where Kentucky fans are. Have you know signs in the stands telling you to go somewhere else, and fans are booing you in your own arena at Rupp Arena, where you said where you've had a long winning streak. That when the fan base starts to turn on you, and you know this having covered (laughs) other coaches and and other sports, like that's it's it's hard to turn that around. Like no matter what, it's just it's hard to turn that around. And for Kentucky, it's not that Cal just needs to have a winning season, right? It's he has to get to the Final Four to turn it around. And there's no way you could possibly expect that with this team, with the way it's constructed right now.
1: I was a little shocked by it, but I would say week three of Brian Harson. I was going to say, like, Uh, yeah, I mean. Penn State game, that was that. And and it's it's, like you said, the turnaround would have had to been miraculous. And uh, it obviously was not anywhere
0: close to that because they lost pretty much every game. I mean, and that's the way it works, right? I mean, again, and you know, like, it's you can look anywhere in college sports. It's just. Once that happens at a very proud place that that leans on its tradition, I just don't know how you get it back unless you are literally go meeting the expectations that were there from the start. And I just don't know how they do that. So well, and the
1: fans and fans aren't like you said, when it's a established institution, whether it's football or basketball, like fans aren't ignorant. Yeah. You know, they've, they've been watching their respective program for a long time it, they're not being spoiled. I mean, and they are a yeah. little bit, but you know, they but understand. But you kind of
0: earn that, right? Like, you, they understand you what they're earn, looking at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that, that's what I, one of the things I said about Kentucky, and again, you can use this example anywhere, is once you've had that success, you've earned the right to be a little mad, because it's like, you've you, you you've set a standard for so many years in Kentucky, as we said. I mean, it, it is like, obviously it's a little different in certain senses, but like, it was. I mean, Auburn football, it's, hey, There is a standard set. Bruce has set a standard for Auburn basketball now that, you know, let's say, you know, he retires in however many years, okay, and he's still the coach there and he's had all the success. And the next guy comes in and just can't even come close to like being able to keep that standard up. It's going to be the same thing because it's just, that's what you've set. And he knew when he took the job, (laughs) Cal, I mean, unfortunately, realistic or not, they want you to win a national championship every season. And they haven't made the final four since 2015 in Kentucky land. That's, that's like a hundred years, you know? So it's, uh, man, it's, it's a wild, wild, wild scenario there. So
1: it holds true for all cut. You either, you either go somewhere else, you retire, you get fired. Uh, there's, I mean, there's no other option. In, in, Texas in, in- is
0: there and you know, Cal Bruce, they're all going to be mentioned in that job until they make a hire. So. Yep. Yeah, it's just the way it works. Yeah, watching the Arkansas Alabama game last night, they were saying,
1: you know, these two guys right here coaching on the floor, probably <laughs> going to be getting some phone calls near the near the top of what Texas would want in its in its next coach. Um, mention them. We'll mention them briefly. Just what what has made do you think Alabama and Tennessee so good this season? I mean, obviously, both top five. I don't know exactly what the rankings are, but those are both top five teams. Um, yeah. at the moment, and boy, Alabama looked really impressive last night, especially their ability. You know, Brandon Miller's pretty much MIA for most of the game, and then he makes two big <laughs> three pointers late to to bury. A, you know, what we've said is a good Arkansas team.
0: Yeah, I, I think you know what these two teams do are they. You know, it, it's kind of the they do have those just completely identifiable things that you realize, wow, like that they, they just they wow you, and for Alabama. I don't think people understand that this is like, this is one of the best defensive teams in the country statistically. And you think about how bad they were last year, like on defense and like that has been the biggest turnaround. Now, obviously, yes, they have Brandon Miller. I think Alabama is clearly the deepest team in the league. Um, And I think Tennessee would probably join that group uh, just based on how many guys they can play and not have any sort of drop off what you feel like whatsoever. And you know, having, I think we always say when we get to tournament time, it's like the teams you you like to bank on are the ones that have the guy. Like Alabama now has like the guy, and I, I think that always gives them a chance in any game they play. They will have a chance because they have the guy. But it's like, is the is the guy like just Brandon Miller? Or is like, is it Noah Clowney? Is it Mark Sears? Is it you know Charles Betty Bedioc- Like. There are a lot of options for the guy, even though it is, you know, Brandon Miller's going to get all the attention, but my goodness, like they just, they they are, the chemistry is what I think is most impressive with this team. Because you think about, we say every year, transfer portal, recruiting, you're adding so many new pieces. You never know how the chemistry is going to, and it did not come together last year, right? You watch that team, they had no chemistry at all. This team though, like they are fully in sync with each other. They do so many things well on both sides of the floor, and I just think they have a next gear offensively that no other team has. And I think you could say that maybe in the country, to be honest with you. And, you know, they are good teams, but, like, look at a team like Houston, right? Houston's still built on on a lot of good defense, I think. Um, you know, Kansas has a next gear offensively, but I think Alabama has a gear that no one else has. Um, and maybe the Zags you put in that category. But I just – I think that's where they are. And then for Tennessee, like I said, I mean – the interesting thing about Tennessee is they are easily the best defensive team out there. Like, they just, I mean, they just do things to you that I just, it's going to be so hard. And that's what's said based on where the league is now, because they're not a lot of elite offensive teams, there are going to be so many teams in this league that struggle to hit 60, 65 points against Tennessee. Like, it's just going to be a challenge. And they are one of the are...
1: rare, fun to watch defenses. Yeah.
0: I think, yeah, the, the, there you Al- go that's what
1: Alabama is going to get out there and, and boy like last night you know like you said when they're clicking they're so fun to watch Tennessee if you enjoy watching the team yeah. lock into a game plan and play excellent assignment basketball and defense yeah they're really fun to watch
0: yeah and it's like it's not a boring like you know type of style it's like they are just they just get after it and I, I mean that's the difference between Tennessee and like I said everyone else aside from Alabama like I, I think that Tennessee just Oh my goodness that they are so good on that side of the floor like they they can be a team like that's historically good in that area I think this team here and um so, so that's clearly where Tennessee is is making their strides but like I said too earlier they are getting better offensively and that is a scary thing to think about because I don't know that even at their best you know they're not an Alabama I don't think they're on that same level but you know something Tennessee has done recently and Gosh, you go back to early in the season, first two games of the season, they shot 37 or more threes in the first two games. And you're thinking, what is this team doing? Why are they shooting so many threes? Well, now you look up 20-ish you know, or below. They're starting, when they start hitting shots and they're taking you know less of those threes, if Vescovy's hitting shots, if Ziegler's hitting shots from outside, I don't know how you beat this team because the, you know they're not going to let up defensively But that was one area where just like if they take care of the ball and they can hit some threes, they don't have to hit 15, you know. But if they can just hit some threes and they don't rely on that as they're all of their offense, they could be really good. And we're seeing that play out now to where they're starting to make some shots and, you know, they're still getting to the free throw line. But I just think their game plan comes down to you know, we are just going to shut you down and we may have a couple stretches here or there where we don't look great offensively, but we feel like we've got enough pieces on that side of the floor. I mean, look at what, you know, Olivier Kamwa stepping up on offense, making shots. They've got Josiah Jordan James back. We know how good he can be. Julian Phillips, the freshman is really, it can be up and down, you know, as any freshman can, but like he's starting to figure it out on offense and he can give them a big boost just like he did against Vanderbilt the other night. So, I mean, it's the same thing, depth and just having those being elite in several categories versus just being able to do one thing. Well, that's the difference, I think, that's setting apart Alabama and Tennessee right now from everyone else.
1: Blake, thanks so much for joining us today. You guys, um, hopefully, if you've been listening to this podcast since I took it over a couple of years ago, this, I think it's the third or fourth time we've had Blake on. So go check out his work at the Blake level on Twitter and Southeastern fourteen com they've got previews picks podcasts all that kind of stuff for both sec football basketball and other sports as well so uh blake enjoy the rest of the uh the college basketball season um in the sec and beyond hope to have you back on here soon
0: no always enjoy it Nathan. thanks for having me on Thanks.